violence. Violence is entertaining. Now, you may not want to hear that because it may make you feel uncomfortable, but let's just get honest with each other. We as a society are fascinated by violence. Look at the different ways that we are entertained by it. Movies, TVs, games, books, podcasts, a wide variety of violence. And we don't care what form it is. It could be physical, it could be sexual, psychological, emotional, spiritual. We just want our fix. You are listening to Beatitudes Worship Podcast, and I am joined today by an individual who occasionally likes to be entertained by violence, (laughs) even though... (laughs) Who says? I have not yet been the recipient of her violence. I don't even know if you have a violent side (laughs) to you. I wouldn't hurt a fly. Uh, Look at that smile. (laughs) Violence is elemental, isn't it? I mean, all of us? Yeah, that's what we're going to be talking about today. Yeah. So this is Janelle. She is, as usual, my partner here on Beatitudes Worship Podcast. Mm -hmm. And Janelle, do you find violence entertaining? Not particularly. I do watch Marvel comic um, movies. Really? Yes. So you don't, you watch it because you like the violence, don't you? Mm Mm-mm. Why do you watch it? Only, only because the men are hot. The men are hot. I do enjoy it when the woman is violent. You, <laughs> you enjoy violent, <laughs> violent women. Come on, Black Widow. <laughs> She's awesome. Amazing. <laughs> but this is the phenomena that is a part of us. I mean, again, if you think mm-hmm. about it, if if it wasn't appealing. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't continue to put it out there. Yeah. But the uh, you know, supply yeah. and demand. That's what it boils down to. And the demand is we want to see our violence. I mean, children are playing games filled with, with violence. Right. And that's, isn't that a sad commentary, though? Kind of? Well, the, is it sad? Yes. Is it part of life? That's the one we need to talk about. Mm, and right. you have for us a ancient writing from the Hebrew Bible that <laughs> talks about violence. I do. It's Genesis. That's pretty ancient. From the beginning. <laughs> Did you know that actually the first words hmm. of the Hebrew Bible in each book mm-hmm. was the actual name of that book? I did not. Mm-hmm. So, so explain. For example, instead of calling it Genesis, the original uh-huh. name was Barash, I'm sorry, Barashith Bara. In wow. The, in the beginning, or Barashith, it could be just that, in the beginning. Huh. That was very impressive. Yeah. So this story you're going to read us. I can't say what you just said, but. Comes from the beginning. Okay. Genesis 4, 8 to 16. <laughs> Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Yeah, we immediately learned from that text, do not go out into the field with a sibling. (laughs) Or at least be armed when you do. (laughs) Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, What have you done? 
Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is more than I can bear. Today you are driving me from the land and I will be hidden from your presence. I will be a restless wanderer on the earth and whoever finds me will kill me. But the Lord said to him, not so. Anyone who kills Cain will suffer vengeance seven times over. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one who found him would kill him. So Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. We're going to pause here real quick. And for the about 10, 15 seconds, we're going to invite you just to allow yourself to, to ruminate on the words that you just heard. The first incident of human violence, according to the Hebrew Bible. Take some time and reflect on that. The media realizes that ratings go up when they talk about violence. One of the ones that really seem to attract our attention is physical and or sexual violence. Injuries, death. We don't like when it happens, but there was something about it that draws us to it. The more the passive ones, the psychological, emotional, and spiritual violence, we don't seem to get as much of traction as far as exposure to that, but they are just as real. The difference is the scars are invisible. So where in the world did human violence, homo sapien violence, that propensity to commit acts of violence, where did that come from? Well, typically Christians would give you this one answer, and that is it's sin. And in response to sin, according to the myth that we find in Genesis chapter 3, the, per, the first being or entity to do an act of violence is God. Listen to this verse from Genesis 3. And the Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. We, we, it's so easy to go over that real quick. But when you pause and think about it and go, where did those skins come from? Well, it says that the Lord made the clothing. So if you want to read the Bible literally, then you would have to assume that it was God who did the first act of violence here on our planet by killing these animals. Following that, you have the first act of violence done by a human being resulting in death. This is what is the story of the first murder in Genesis chapter 4. A brother kills a brother. And again, if you read the story literally, you are faced with a quandary. We are told earlier in Genesis 1 and 2 that when God created the world, when he created the first humans and all of creation, he pronounces it good. So here's my question. 
If we believe that the reason why we have violence is because of sin by the first couple eating a piece of fruit, where in the world did Cain's ability to commit violence come from? Had it always innately been within him? Had the potential always been there? And if that potential was there from the beginning, is that part of being good? Or did the bite of the fruit somehow alter the chemistry or synapses of all four of them, and in turn, all the following generations, somehow in their brain was it altered, and then all of a sudden they become violent? That's why I think if you look to the cause of violence coming from the Hebrew Bible, in particular Genesis 1 through 4, I think you're going to face a lot of challenges to explain why human beings have this propensity to act violently. So then there's the other explanation, one that I actually find very satisfying, and that is evolution. Early in the evolution of sapiens, they were the ones that were hunted. They were the prey of other species who were larger and better equipped to, to hunt. When you think about it, Homo sapiens, their anatomical structure, they made them the ideal prey. You just look at yourself. You, we don't have claws. We don't have covering to protect ourselves when we are bitten or hurt. We are vulnerable. So, in order to survive, Homo sapiens begin to live in larger groups, communities. And they used their maturing creativity to begin to work together. And one of the first things that they created was weapons. Weapons that would be useful to provide nourishment for themselves and to defend themselves. So over time, as their creativity continued to expand and their ability to work together, that went up. And a little bit of luck, Homo sapiens became a formidable force. They became the dominant hunters. And violence, it served them well. It was a significant factor in how they avoided becoming extinct. Well, even today, there are many species on Earth that still live under threat of predators and under conditions where they might devote much time, effort, and violence to meet their needs for food and shelter just simply to survive. Invasive species, they have the ability to make other species extinct. For example, insects, they can destroy trees. Beavers, they can destroy habitat that some species depend on while their actions can actually aid other species. It is the reality of nature. It is the reality here on planet Earth that doing harm frequently aids in survival and thus is rewarded by evolution. So while there are many reasons why people resort to violence, I would like to focus on just two. Number one, violence often arises from conflict, especially conflict stemming from the abundance 
and degree of differences that exists among humans. The second reason I believe people resort to violence that we want to focus on is that violence arises from a feeling of worthlessness, from a poor sense of self-worth. So let's look at number one. A significant number of us dislike conflict. We avoid it. This may explain why we are not very good at resolving it. So when conflict arises with those who are different than us, it can often exacerbate the potential for the use of violence. Why? Because we are frequently threatened by what we don't know, what is unfamiliar, what is different. So let's return again to that scripture that Janelle read for us. And here we find ourselves back at the sunrise of man's earthly journey. And while the morning dew of creation is still on the ground, the first man is murdered. And again, I I hope you will not literalize this bit of reminiscence, lest the mythic power of its Hebrew wisdom be lost. For this is ancient man trying to understand violence. Cain, of course, was a farmer, and Abel, his brother, was a shepherd. And here in this ancient story, we have the first violent act take place because it's a conflict between two different styles of life. Well, generally, of course, we've sought to handle our conflicts by enforced conformity. You're going to have to do it my way. Let everybody be political or political or religious in my way. Then there is no differences. And if there's no differences, there's no conflict. And if there's no conflict, ta-da, no violence. Unfortunately, we do turn to violence very often when we cannot develop wholesome ways of permitting human differences and handling the resulting conflict. Let's look at the second one. The other reason for violence derives from a loss of personal significance. Consider many in our time have trouble with the question, who am I? They don't quite know who they are where they fit into the scheme of things, or even if they do figure that out, they sometimes have a loss, and they don't have this, they've lost their sense of of personal significance. Well, the universe is indifferent to me. No one, no one, my little life is, it's very inconsequential. No one cares. Nobody would really miss me because nobody really sees me. I'm able to influence no one. And out of such a mood as that comes apathy. And out of apathy can come violence. For no human or race or tribe or nation can long endure their perpetually numbing experience of feeling powerless. So. How might we deal with these two potential sources of violence? 
How might we face our differences in this sense of hopelessness and powerlessness in a healthy manner to avert the need to turn to violence? I offer you the following suggestions. With regard to conflict arising from differences, I suggest we change our mindset. I suggest that we observe the various ways that individuals and people groups look, talk, and act with a sense of curiosity. That we would be intrigued by the different lifestyles and cultures that are around us. So I recommend that we watch and learn, converse and immerse ourselves in our differences. And in turn, we might end up appreciating what a remarkable species we truly are as homo sapiens because of those differences. Again, typically we fear the strange, the unfamiliar. This fear, it served us well thousands of years ago when unseen predators hunted us and nature was unpredictable and dangerous. Caution and distress kept us from falling into extinction. But today, today is different. Our differences that exist around us and between us no longer need to frighten us. Rather, we can allow them to actually strengthen us. When we meld our different strengths together, and compensate for each other's weaknesses, we enhance the quality of all of our lives. When we cooperate and collaborate with each other, we are able to solve both local and global problems far, far more efficiently. So that's one way that I would suggest that we deal with the differences and by dealing with them, avoid the inevitable, at times, use of violence to resolve those conflicts. Now, with regard to feelings of worthlessness and powerlessness, we must try to give to every person and every people a sense of dignity and worthwhileness. We must share power with the powerless. Hear that again. We must share power with the powerless. Dignity. Dignity flourishes when people have the opportunity to receive a quality education, no matter the neighborhood they live in or on which rung they stand on the socioeconomic ladder. Self-worth. Self-worth thrives when a person works in a safe environment, earns a living wage, and returns to their home knowing they can provide for their loved ones and have also made a contribution to society. Dignity. Dignity flourishes when family units have access to healthy, affordable food, preventative medicine, and quality and reasonably priced insurance, or some form of public health. Self-worth. Self-worth thrives when all of us know our voices will be heard, when our concerns and dreams will be truly considered. And lastly, 
dignity flourishes when you have someone to love and in turn love you. Dignity, a sense of self-worth, and a sense of power in your life. If we can give that to each other, then we again, we lessen the possibility of violence against one another. So you see, Jesus's words really do make sense when he said, turn the other cheek, go the second mile, return good for evil. If thine enemy hunger, feed him. It is difficult to literalize these words of his and make them into a new law. But it is not difficult to understand them as a style of life, an attitude, an attitude that one takes toward others. What Jesus was talking about is a posture that one has in the world, a posture of nonviolence, of living in peace. The two points about violence, the first one kind of seemed obvious to me. Conf uh, when we have differences in the conflict and that arises. Conflict. Yeah, like yeah, that's yeah. as old as time. Yep. But I think for myself that the violence still serves us well today, but there's a new element that we have to it. Mm. Tell me more. Piggybacking off of that um, feeling of helplessness and all that, it's cyber violence. Wow. So didn't even cross my, where right. were you when I put this together? I don't, I was working. <sighs> anyway, cyber violence, uh, the definition is online behaviors that criminally or non-criminally assault a person's physical, psychological, or emotional well-being. And spiritual well-being. And spiritual, there you go. It covers it all. And it's just a brand new Wow. Kind of element that we really have to recognize. <clears throat> you know what? That's fascinating, Janelle. I mean, that, <laughs> this is so cool because every time we do this together, uh -huh. I learn something from you. Okay, good. Now, I don't think that's intentional on your part, but I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I'm really it, just trying to inform. But actually, that's pretty amazing when you think about it because actually that could be 
an explanation for both of those phenomena. Mm-hmm. Online, the difference is, and then if you're feeling po- powerless, right, you can get behind that keyboard, yeah, and find your power, right. And cyberbullying is, of course, like Pew Research. Uh, last year, they said 40% of people have been harassed online, and 73% have witnessed someone being harassed online. That's significant. Yeah. And because we can do it without facing each other. Right. I mean, if you go back to that, uh, that myth of, of Cain and Abel. Yeah. I mean, they, they had to see each other. They had to look into each other's eyes. Right. According, you know, to the story, you have them, whereas in the cyber world. There's an, there's an element, though, uh, when God, the Lord put a mark on Cain. Cain. Right. What does that mean? Yeah, I think a tattoo? Was... Like, <laughs> how do you know? <laughs> right. Don't touch this guy. Right. Again, I... I, I, I it's sort of like cyber being, being able to hide behind your keyboard. Yeah, I think what you're pointing out is, is a good point as far as when you take it literally, you got a problem. Is, you know, like mm-hmm. is, is some that, you know, was it on his forehead where it was easy to be seen or... The Mark of Cain? The Mark that of Cain. That sounds like a movie. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Get on that. Um, <laughs> but on the other side of that, if you take it more in a figurative way, then you have God intervening early on to try to limit the extent of violence that mm. humans will do to each other. Yeah. But what is the problem today, from my perspective, is from about 1965, with the dropping of that first atomic bomb, mm. we learned how to destroy yeah. each other each other and the, the world. Planet. Right. Well, interestingly, too, I learned that, um, I mean, it's, it's kind of a duh, but over in the Middle East, they will actually, uh, women are, uh, you know, there's a, a power struggle there going on all the time, and they don't want women to be educated, but they're actually minimizing their online digital inclusion and their, you know, their freedom of speech and all that. I never thought about that. That their digital inclusion mm. in the democratic societies, we all have that. We take it for right, granted. Right. But over there, they're using it over them. That's a form of violence. Well, I think it's violence is a great way to keep people powerless, or the threat of violence mm-hmm. is a great way to keep people powerless, yeah. to keep them in their proper place within society, right. and not allowing them to rise up. And I think we saw over the last couple of years when some of the demonstrations turned violent. Yeah. And then what happened on January 6th earlier this year, it yeah. would be another example of where violence becomes a way of asserting oneself. Right. And if you feel like, if you feel like, for example, those that were there on January 6th, if you feel like you have been mistreated Mm-hmm. And power has been taken from you by another group, yeah. by so-called the steal of the election. Mm-hmm. I think that's a perfect example of how we can use violence to reestablish ourselves. And it almost 
to me, you know, physical is physical violence as bad as psychological violence? Well, like this cyber violence, I think it could be the violence of the future. Like, <laughs> yeah, most definitely. Well, look at look at the violence that is being done. If you want to call it an act of of violence, is when the uh, the word just slipped my mind. But when you have um, uh, when you have individuals who tap into other companies and, mm -hmm. and then they, what's that word? When they basically kind of hijack their, their oh. computers. Well, a cyber attack. A cyber attack. Right. But again, look at the word that is used, attack. Yeah, violent. Violent. And it so is. we are, you, you're, I think you're spot on that we are using violence mm -hmm. even somewhere out in this <laughs> unknown <laughs> space. The internet world. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's a great question that you asked earlier is, I, I remember one time an individual had been arrested mm -hmm. for sexually abusing uh, children. Mm -hmm. And the detective made a comment that at least he wasn't a violent offender. Wow. And I thought that was, was telling. Yeah. Because in some ways, if this person mm -hmm. had physically maimed or murdered mm -hmm. one of their victims, yeah. we as a society would see that in a different way. Right. But what that act, in any act of, of violence against a person, mm -hmm. along with it comes what you just said, the psychological impact the of that. When you think about PTSD, right. when you think about when people are emotionally abused by being belittled, mm -hmm. by being bullied, be either in person or cyberbullying, cyber bullying, they both do it. That has huge impacts upon a person's stability and well-being. Right. I thought the other thing that was interesting, I was reading this morning, and again, it had nothing to do with violence per se, but the more we, you and I have been talking, it almost like a connection went for me was this sense of feeling attached. That one of the things they, back in the, I think it was in the 1960s or 70s, there was a awareness that, that infants who are not physically touched and do mm -hmm. not attach to their caregivers. Bonding, yeah. Yeah the bonding, right. that that actually creates huge ramifications for their life going forward. Right. But later on, they shortly discovered mm -hmm. that the same thing happens with adults. Oh. That oh. The adults need attachment to each other. Physical. Yes, and emotional. Wow. Didn't and, know that. And in our society, it's kind of like do it on your own, go on your own. Right. Right? We're independent. And that perhaps can also contribute to violence. Mm. If you're feeling like you're alone and you have no power, your life doesn't have any meaning. Right. Then how do you get it? Either uh -huh. you physically pick up a weapon and go out and hurt someone, or you sit behind a computer and you damage people that way. Wow. Yeah, there's... Um Several examples of cyber violence would be online harassment, mm -hmm. bullying, threatening, blackmailing, mm. sexting, yeah. oh. un unwanted sexting, yes. stalking, hate speech, non-consensual sharing of images, 
recording and distributing sexual assault. I think that's more dark web, I would hope, but it's probably I, I <laughs> anywhere would, you want to find it. Yeah, I mean, in the news recently, they were talking about Pornhub. Yeah. And how Pornhub has been accused of putting up images and videos of what you just described. Oh. So I don't know if it's just the dark web. Wow. Sad. Really sad. So what are we going to do about it? Well, that's why I think, what was your, what was your thoughts when you heard these, these two suggestions as far as if we would become curious about our differences, and then after that, if we would be able to somehow provide a support system where people would find a sense of dignity and feel like they had power in their life to actually be able to, to flourish in life rather than be yeah. continually in this angst sense of like, wh where is my next meal coming from? Mm -hmm. How am I going to be able to provide medicine for, that my child needs? How am I going to be able to get to work when my car isn't working? It's still, it's about community. It's, you know, the, what did Hillary Clinton say? It takes a village. Right. Not just for children, <laughs> raising children, but just to flourish and thrive as human beings. Well, I think that's one of the things that evolution mm -hmm. and it allowed uh, the, the homo sapiens to thrive Yeah, was they learned how to cooperate. Be in community, right? Be in community. I mean, that's, that is literally mm -hmm. how homo sapiens kept from going extinct. Yeah. And I often wonder is, are we going down a path hmm. that could bring about our demise as we allow more and more conflict and partisanship divide us? I mean, right. I think it's fascinating when you think about it. It, 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 it spills out into violence. I mean, you think about how yeah. right now, how people identify first and foremost right now is Democrat or Republican. Uh-huh. Black and white. And when that happens, and then you begin to see this other person as being evil. Yeah. As being out to destroy you. And the problem is both sides are throwing those bombs at each other. Yeah. Verbal abuse toward each other. Right. Well, that's going to have a triple down, trickle down effect. And then if there's art, artificial intelligence comes in, they're just going to let the little humans mash it out until they're extinct. <laughs> unless, unless, that's very interesting, unless, that's why this is so important from my reading, is that um, we're going to be the ones who create our artificial intelligence. Oh, yeah, right. We and have. And so how we do that mm -hmm. and what propensity we put in them. right. So if we value violence, if we value conflict, Ooh. if we value the use of right. power, then could we make, inadvertently even perhaps, make that a part of who AI, who is. they are, yeah. and yeah. then in turn, that comes back on us. Now again, this could, we're moving into the area of conspiracy theories. <laughs> but it, isn't it fascinating? It is. So yeah. why, why, in your opinion, Janelle, why is it that we find differences so threatening. Huh. I don't know. I mean, I embrace differences. It's kind of oh, a... come a, on. Wait, wait, I wait, do. wait, wait, wait. You're in a... Let me give you an example. You're in a restaurant, right? Yeah. 
and a person comes in and they got this huge spiked mohawk, rainbow colors going down. Mm -hmm. They've got the nose rings, they got tattoos on their face. Yeah. Your first reaction isn't like, oh my, come on. It's curiosity. Really? Yeah, it's curiosity. Then you are really unique and that's great. Why? <laughs> because I think the majority of people look at that and then all of a sudden it's suspicion. It's like, oh, there's this kind of a huh. uh, well, yeah, somewhat right. feeling leery about, I mean, I get it. I mean, I'm white, I'm tall, yeah. I have tattoos, I'm bald, uh -huh. and I ride a Harley. <laughs> right. And there are times <laughs> when I get someplace and I get off my Harley and I got my leathers on yeah. and people look at me and it's like, oh, <laughs> you feel singled out? Uh, like they may be a little hesitant to be around me. And then you tell them you're a pastor. No, I don't do that. <laughs> and it's all fine. But isn't that fascinating though? I think yeah. somehow it, it, like I, it was fascinating in reading for this uh, monologue that the differences mm -hmm. and, and our suspicion toward the unknown, that's yeah. how we survived. Yeah, that's what it is. Suspicion of the unknown. But, Fear, right. But, but it's still a part of us. And somehow, we have to be able to, to let that slowly begin to diminish. Yeah. And hopefully, over generations, we will evolve to where differences can be valued. I hope so. I, that's what I'm saying. People need to be more fascinated and curious about yeah. it. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. But again, that's gonna, I think, take time. Mm -hmm. It's not like we can just flip this switch. No. But it is every day trying it a little bit. Yeah. I, it, once person recommended to me this, this idea, which I found really interesting. They said when you see someone that's different than you, mm -hmm. or someone that is acting in a way that is different from you, or someone that is speaking in a way or believes in a way that is different from you, yeah. what they said is don't focus on them. Okay. Turn around and look at yourself and oh. be curious about yourself hmm. and the emotions that you're feeling. Yeah. So it's like, why am I feeling this way toward them? Right. Why, why are these emotions starting to bubble? So you identify the emotion, you're aware mm -hmm. of the emotion, mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden you begin to realize, where is this coming from? Me. Yeah. And instead of judge, but here's the problem is, I think it's easy then at that point to judge ourselves and slap ourselves on the hand and go, shame on you, right? Right. To ourselves. But instead... Right. If we would keep, I love what you keep using that word curious. If we would be curious about where it's coming from yeah. in a non-judgmental way. That's the key right there. Yeah. Bingo. So that we don't judge ourselves. <clears throat> That's so hard to do. And yeah, but if we can accept how we feel, our emotions, then in turn, mm -hmm. maybe there's a real possibility that we'll be less judgmental. Mm-hmm and be willing to accept other people. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and so then we, we value the differences. And if we value the differences, then maybe yeah. we'll do these things that will help other people, which will help mm -hmm. them have a sense of dignity, a sense of, of power in their life. Yeah.
And then that would have helped diminish. So, bring it home. Well, I thought I just did. <laughs> oh, well, you did, but let's let's remind our viewers and listeners that so how there is you, a community here. So you at so you bring it home. It's don't, <laughs> There's a don't community believe, don't, here for you. But yeah, but why this community? Come on. Beatitudes? Yeah, you can go anywhere. There's so many different churches. Or there's even, if you're unchurched, there's more and more groups that are meeting that don't meet in the church. Right. You know, you have motorcycle groups, you have bowling groups, we, you have hiking we, groups. But we meld the traditional, the roots, with the new. Like, um, we're melding... Um, new ideas all the time and we just have a whole inclusive um point of view so you're saying if i'm going to read in to what you're saying and if I, if i'm off base please tell me mm -hmm. but it almost seems like what you're saying is that we value the differences absolutely we appreciate the differences not only in appearance and lifestyle, but also yeah. in beliefs. Yeah. And we learn from them. Then in some ways, communities like Beatitudes yeah. are needed almost like they're little labs. Okay. You know what I mean? <laughs> Where are you going with this? But yes. They're like laboratories. <laughs> Where we, it's actually more fun than that. But, <laughs> but it's where we get to practice. Mm-hmm. What we preach? <laughs> Our differences. <laughs> and, and, and if, and so for example, if you have someone that you, you see and their ideas are different than yours, yeah. then you actually can work through that easier when yeah. it's someone that you know and it's someone that you not only socialize with, but someone that you are spiritually connected, connected with. with. Yeah. So in some ways, it's a great, Spiritual communities can be a great, either a laboratory or a practice arena hmm. to be able to, to live in community with each other and then in turn carry that out and model it for other people. Yeah. So yeah, I think you're right. Well, our time has come to a close and I thank you very, very much for having spent this time with us on Beatitudes Worship Radio. We will be back in two weeks. However, next week, we will be again in the same place, same time, but the podcast will be a closer look. If you like what you've heard, if it's something that has resonated with you, do me a favor. Please like it and share it. Uh, rate us. Give us those five stars because if you want to promote Church of the Beatitudes and what it stands for, that is an incredible way that you can do it. And if you have any questions, comments, or if there is a subject that you would like to hear us talk about here on Beatitudes Worship Podcast, please email us. And Janelle, where can they email us? Media at BeatitudesChurch.org. Thank you so much for your time. Have a great day and stay safe out there. <laughs>